Good morning and welcome back to the Hope and Anchor podcast. This is our third Sunday in quarantine and um, actually kind of getting into the groove here. Uh, Last week I was a little bit down in the dumpers uh, staring into the abyss a little bit and it was rainy and cold but this week it's sunny and nice and warm outside and I'm feeling chipper. So looking forward to uh, spending some time with you this morning as we continue in our Easter mixtape um, teaching series as we're headed toward Resurrection Sunday. Uh, as we get started, I want to just uh, try to be of some encouragement to you. I don't know what your week has been like, but um, ours has been uh, uh, strangely productive, but uh, still has all that emotional stuff going on with it. Um, kind of feverishly checking the news, which I'm actually trying to do a little bit less of, but uh, really trying to get outside, uh, really check in with the people I care about. Um, but what about you? How's your week been? Uh, I encourage you to reach out and, uh, and, and share that. Um, this could really be a, a lonely time for people, and I think it's especially important for us to be intentional about uh, maintaining and strengthening those connections in our life. So, um, treasure this time. Uh, that's a, probably a strange thing to hear me say, but really this is a weird and uh, unexpected time, but really treasure it. I do believe that uh, good things can and will come from this and that God is up to something and that's he's going to grow you. He's going to grow your your family. He's going to grow um, our church through this time. And so it's important for us to take the time to reflect and to appropriate the lessons that God wants to teach us uh, as we go through this uh, global pandemic experience. Uh, so let's start with a word of prayer. We want to pray for those who uh, have been, uh, are being, and will be economically, physically, and emotionally affected by this situation. So let's pray. Father, we want to start our day by coming to you and uh, just lay our concerns, our cares, our hopes uh, before you. God, we, we trust in you. You are um, the creator, but you're also the one who sustains us. You, you, you guide us and you guard us every day of our life. And so we want to look to you, trusting in you, that uh, when things do indeed seem out of control, when our government seems to be all thumbs and doesn't know what to do and is kind of late in their response in so many ways and, and there's so many uncertainties and so many unknowns, um, we want to root our hope and our trust and our confidence in you first and foremost because none of this is happening um, outside of uh, your knowledge, outside of your care. And so God, even though in the moment it seems difficult and and tragic and and uncontrolled, um, we want to just rest in the knowledge that you're sovereign and that uh, you've seen the end of all things. You've seen the outcome. You know what it means to preserve your church and to preserve your people. And so, God, we trust that you will in your way, in your time. Lord, we lift our prayers to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This is the fifth week of Lent, and I've got my daughter Maddie with me this morning to do our Lenten reading, and this is the fifth Sunday in Lent, which I, I was making a big deal about that to her, that it's the fifth Sunday in Lent, because Sunday is technically not a day of Lent, because Sunday is a day of celebrating the resurrection, so it doesn't uh, actually fall into the, the days of Lent. So it's the fifth Sunday in Lent. So good morning, Maddie. Hi. <laughs> All right, Maddie's going to read our scripture reading and then our prayer of confession. Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. 
Hear my cry, O Lord, pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord, yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed and grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mandy. All right. Uh, this morning, we are, like I said, continuing in our Easter mixtape series. And um, today is going to be a, a real multimedia experience, which when I say things like real multimedia experience, that means there's a lot of ways that this could really go wrong. Um, I was already getting texts and phone calls from Ethan Bryan just to keep things real and normal uh, this morning. Uh, he likes to text and call during my sermons, so um, he's up to that already, which I'm thankful for. But anytime I involve technology, there's a lot of ways that this can uh, get a little squirrely, but we'll see. So uh, think about this. Um, have you ever noticed how our brains are pretty good at recalling a good song at just the right time? If your brain works like mine, man, whenever I remember something or I'm going through something, more, more, more times than not, there's a song that comes to mind. It's like, man, it's just like that song when it says this, or I'll burst out with a lyric. When things get awesome or when things get bad, this little DJ mix master in our heads spins up the perfect song at just the right time, sometimes during that experience and sometimes after that experience. For example, uh, did you have breakup songs in high school? You know what I mean, while you're in high school, when you broke up with that girlfriend or that boyfriend, you had a song or, or a set of songs that you usually went to and maybe went home and put the tape in the tape player and listened to it over and over again. I did, I did. When I broke up, I had a, a playlist of breakup songs in which I found deep solace. One of those songs uh, was uh, Michael Bolton's How Am I Supposed to Live Without You. Uh, let's see here. See, that's a, a pretty intense song. You can see how that really captures the emotion of a heartbroken 16, 17, or 18-year-old uh, me. Uh, an another song that, that would uh, come to mind after I'd been dumped was um, a song by one of my favorite bands, uh, U2, With or Without You. I mean, really, who didn't think about this song when they got <laughs> dumped, when they broke up? I'll wait for you 
Slight of hand and twist of fate On a bed of nails she makes me wait And I wait without you With or without you With or without you Alright, and then, really who did not have this on their breakup playlist? So yeah, Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to you. Now, if you would have seen me in my uh, high school years in a post-breakup experience or, or, or timeline, you might observe as a dispassionate observer a progression. And as you can see that with the how, how am I supposed to live without you, moving to with or without you, then uh, nothing compares to you. But then often after a few days, uh, as I worked through that grief cycle, uh, I would work through that uh, shock and denial and actually kind of end up at a place of a little bit of, of, of anger uh, in my post-dump grief. And then I would uh, find this song in, in heavy rotation, which you may, may be familiar with. Yeah, Bon Jovi, you give love a bad name. That's been cathartic for a lot of us uh, as we've worked through the uh, heartbreak and loss of, uh, of uh, ended adolescent relationships. Uh, here's the thing. We, we naturally associate songs with emotional or memorable experiences, and those very songs, they might even actually help us. They help us to for, more fully remember, to recall, and re-experience those important events in our life. Now, it would be unfair of me to say that we only remember songs in those difficult or uh, times of in those difficult experiences or those times of loss, like when you break up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. We also remember songs uh, for those high points, for those very good, memorable experiences in our life. For example, anytime I hear this song, uh, "Jungle Boogie" by Cool and the Gang, I think about the recessional on my wedding day. <laughs>
Yeah, anytime I hear that sweet, sweet jam, it takes me right back to October 1994 when I got married to Christy. So songs, they matter to us. They help us order our experiences and recall them and re-experience them. For the people of Israel, the, the book of Psalms was more than just devotional reading, which for us, oftentimes the Psalms are a place that we go to find comfort and wisdom and direction and just solace. But for the people of Israel, the book of Psalms was more than that. It was more than just devotional reading. You see, the Psalms, they were memorized. Memorized. They were shared and they were sung throughout life's ups and downs, both for the individual as well as for the people as a whole. In fact, the Psalms were the songs that came to mind during times of celebration and of suffering because these songs had truly been hidden in the hearts of the Israelites. In fact, toward the back half of the, the book of Psalms, there's a section called the Songs of Ascent, which are Psalm 120 through 134. And this was a pilgrim songbook. It was a playlist for the life with God. If you read through the Songs of Ascent, you find that it's tracing the hills and valleys of the human experience of this journey to Jerusalem, the city of God. It is a, the, the, the playlist for the, the lived adventure of God's people. So, when a first century Jew was dumped or enjoyed great success, when a first century Jew suffered or was filled with joy, that little DJ mixmaster in their brain more than likely dropped one of these psalms into their mix. When they went home and put their tape in their tape deck, it was probably one of the psalms. For us, as we sojourn toward Easter Sunday, and as we turn our attention to Christ's atoning work on the cross, it's insightful for us to recognize that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, they were marked by songs. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was marked by the singing of songs. Well, what do I mean? Well, I'm going to explain this. This is really remarkable. Jesus' Passion Week was marked by the singing of songs. Jesus' Passion Week experience actually had an ancient prophetic playlist, one that we find in the book of Psalms, playing in the background, playing on Christ's lips. Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24, written hundreds of years before Christ by David, plays like an Easter liturgy of sorts. These three psalms have, have long been considered a, a sort of messianic trilogy. And for us, this side of the cross and this side of the empty tomb, we recognize how well these psalms tell the gospel story of redemption, how well they tell the story of Christ's life, His death, and His resurrection. In these psalms, we can trace His suffering, His sacrifice, and His victory. So this week, let's spend our time in Psalm 22, in the song we find in Psalm 22. Now, if you turn there in your Bible, which I'm really going to encourage you to have your Bible open today because there's going to be a lot of flipping back and forth between the Old Testament and New Testament, between Psalms and Matthew's Gospel. But Psalm 22, in your Bible, you might notice that at the top it says, this is a Psalm of David. It is sung to the tune, Doe of the Dawn. And some of you are like pumping your fists like, yeah, that's my jam, Doe of the Dawn. Personally, I don't know the tune, but if you do, uh, that's awesome. All right, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night you hear my voice, 
Every night you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my, from my mother's womb, and you led, and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near, and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls, like fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies, my enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. O oh Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I will, procl I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will, I will praise you among your, your assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear Him. Honor Him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show Him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For He has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned His back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will, I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise Him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to Him. All the families of the nations will bow down before Him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before Him, all who are mortal, all whose lives will end in dust. Our children will also serve Him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything He has done. Now, as we read Psalm 22, you might be recognizing some themes from, from Jesus' experience during the Passion Week, during His time leading up to and on the cross. But here's the thing, we have no record of David himself ever experiencing the events we read about in Psalm 22. What we read here is far more than just a man having a bad day. There's some pretty intense, life-ending things happening in Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is not telling David's story. It's telling the Messiah's story. If we look at Luke chapter 24, if you flip over there real quick, Luke chapter 24, 
we find that Jesus explains that after his resurrection, which this this in Luke 24, this is taking place after the resurrection. Here we find Jesus explaining that after his resurrection, he had accomplished something. He had fulfilled everything written about him in the law, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. Look at uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 35 through 48. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road, and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets, and in the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. This is, There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I send the Holy Spirit. I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Even the horror and the agony of Jesus' crucifixion and death plays out against this melody. Plays out against the backdrop of this song. This song of hope eternal. So it is important to note from the outset, that while Jesus was dying on the cross, he was not crying out Psalm 22, verse 1 in desperation. If we read Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? We hear these words on the lips of Jesus, and we need to understand that he's not, just, he's not crying out in utter desperation, in God-forsakenness. This was surprising to me when I realized this. You see, I have always imagined that Jesus was a little bit frantic on the cross. I mean, how would you be? I mean, you'd be a, little be a little frantic as well if you understood that your Father, the Creator of the universe, had turned from you. I always imagined Jesus was frantically crying out to God in that God-forsaken moment that shook the world. But it was actually a song. Jesus was singing a song that was hidden in His heart, that was playing in His head, and He sings it out to God. These are lyrics that were capturing the moment. They were capturing his feelings. He cried out, singing the first line of Psalm 22, and the rest, no doubt, played on in his mind in those final moments. And then, get this, as he finally succumbed to death, he sings again. Well, what do you mean? Yes, the last thing he says on the cross, according to the Gospels, is the final line of Psalm 22, the final line with his, line, his dying breath, it is finished. 
In the New Living Translation, it ends, and it's a little obscure, but it says, the last line of Psalm 22 says, His righteous acts will be done, told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything He has done. But if you look at the NIV translation or the ESV translation, it ends more accurately. He has done it. He has done it. Which sounds a whole lot like what Jesus says, It is finished. When Jesus says, It is finished, the song has come to an end. Jesus' dying song was surely a song of suffering, but it was also a song of hope. In His agony and His pain, Jesus remembered a song of hope and of confidence in God's steadfast love and care. A song stretching beyond death on into eternity. I guess there was probably no way at the time for David to understand just how inspired and prophetic his song was when he wrote it. I mean, there's no way to know what was going on in David's mind or how much he was aware of as he was writing this song. Did he realize, did David realize how God was guiding him? Did he realize fully how, how much of a glimpse God was giving all of us of our suffering servant Messiah? Did David realize that he was giving a, a lifting the curtain on, drawing our attention toward the Lamb of God who would someday come to take away the sins of the world? I wonder. Well, let's shift gears here real quick. If you have your Bible open, I would encourage you to turn, keep your finger in Psalm 22 in your Bible, but then also bring up Matthew 27, Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, we find this incredible parallel. As we shift gears, we want to look at these parallels between this Old Testament passage we find in Psalm 22 and this New Testament passage in Matthew 27, the story of Jesus' passion. So, Psalm 22 and the parallels we find in Matthew 27. And I'll post this uh, with the podcast on the Facebook page in the comments, but you can kind of follow along. First, we find Psalm, uh, chapter, Psalm 22, verse 1. And we find this parallel between Psalm 22, verse 1, and Matthew 27, verse 46. We find one forsaken by God. Psalm 22, verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? And Matthew 27, 46 says, At about 3 o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Here Jesus is directly quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. And then Psalm 22, verses 6 and 7 parallels with Matthew chapter 26, verses 67 and 68, and Matthew 27, verses 27 through 31. And here we find in both, one abused by men. Psalm 22, verses 6 through 7 says, But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. Matthew 26, 67 and 68 says, Then they began to spit in Jesus' face and beat him with their fists. And some slapped him, jeering, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who hit you that time? And then Matthew 27, 27 through 31, Some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. And they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him again. Then they led him away to be crucified. 
Psalm 22, verse 8 and verse 17 parallels with Matthew chapter 27, verses 39 through 44. Here we find in both one surrounded by his enemies. Psalm 22, verses 8 and 17. Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, then let the Lord rescue him. Matthew 27, 39 through 44. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders who mocked Jesus also mocked Jesus. He's, he saved others, they scoffed, but he can't even save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe in him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. So moving on, Psalm 22, verses 14 and 15 parallels with Matthew 27, verse 32. And, and here in both passages, we find one weakened physically from suffering. Psalm 22:14. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. Matthew 27, 32. Along the way, they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. Clearly, this is a part of the story in which Jesus is beaten down. He's exhausted. He can no longer carry the instrument of his own death. Psalm 22:15 parallels well with Matthew 27 verses 34 and 38 which also cross-references with John chapter 19 verses 28 and in all these passages we find one who has grown thirsty from neglect Psalm 22:15 says my strength has dried up like sun-baked clay my my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth you have laid me in the dust and left me for dead In Matthew 27 34 and 48 says the soldiers gave Jesus mixed wine with bitter gall but when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. And one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Psalm 22, verses 16 and 17 parallels with Matthew 27, 35, in which both we find one whose hands and feet were pierced. This is compelling. One whose hands and feet were pierced. Psalm 22, 16 and 17 says, My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. Matthew 27, 35, the first part of that verse says, After they nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes, clothes by throwing dice. They nailed him to the cross. Psalm 22, 18 parallels with Matthew 27, 35, and both we find one humiliated as lots are cast for his clothing. Psalm 22, 18, They divided my garments among themselves, and they throw dice for my clothing. Matthew 27, 35, the second half of that verse, after they nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothing by throwing dice. And one last one here. Psalm 22, 31, parallels with Matthew 27, 50. And this also cross-references with John chapter 19, verses 30, verse 30, in which we find the one in whom God's work of salvation is finished. Psalm 22, verse 31, His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything He has done. Matthew 27, 50, Then Jesus shouted out again, and He released His Spirit. And it's in John chapter 19 where we actually hear the words that Jesus said when He says, It is finished. It is finished. So, you can see there's a lot of parallels here, a lot of overlap, a lot of things being fulfilled in Jesus' experience in the Gospels that we've heard about in Psalm 22. 
David looking forward into the future, uh, into that, that, that moment, that role that the Messiah would fulfill. And we find so many parallels, so many things taking place. Now, to whatever degree that David understood his prophetic role, the early church was very clear in, in understanding this connection. The early church looked with no confusion on this. They understood that there was a clear line between what David wrote and what Jesus fulfilled. They understood that, under, that, that connection. This prophetic understanding of, of David's song in places like Psalm 22 served a greater centering purpose in God's redemptive plan. Places like Psalm 22 point us toward God's ultimate ambition, His ultimate goal, which is salvation. And this salvation was not just for the Jews. Get this, it's for all who will believe. If you can turn to Acts chapter 2 real quick, look at Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 41. This is uh, Peter preaching to those gathered to listen. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracle, miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But, but God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed, nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for He is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts His praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David was not referring to himself. For he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit upon the throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses to this. And now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool, footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Jesus said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So as we read this, 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 this testimony of the early church in Acts chapter 2, 
we see that this global news for, was foretold, this global good news was foretold by David, by the psalmist in places like Psalm 22. If we look back at Psalm chapter 22, or Psalm 22, I'm sorry, look at uh, verse 27 and 29. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to Him. All the families of the nations will bow down before Him. The royal power belong, for royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before Him all who are mortal, all whose lives will end in dust. Here, the psalmist and, the, 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 and Peter in Acts, they're pointing to the fact that the gospel is for all of us. All the ends of the earth will remember. All the ends of the earth will turn to God. All the families of nations, both rich and poor, they will bow and they will feast and they will worship God. Look at verses 30 and 31. Our children will also serve Him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything He has done. So it's not just for Israel. It's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentile. It's for all the nations. And even more than that, it's not just for those living, hearing the words in that moment. It's for future generations. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They then will proclaim uh, righteousness. They will, be, they will proclaim righteousness to people yet unborn. What does this mean? It means that all generations... People born and unborn, they will be reconciled to the Creator. So Jew and Gentile, near and far away, born and unborn, all will be reconciled to their Creator. All will remember and turn to God, and all will bow and feast and worship with God. So one last stop on our journey today. Uh, I want to return to this final parallel we find in Psalm 22 and Matthew 27. Psalm 22, verse 31, the second half of that, that last part that we talked about, the He has done it, or everything He has done, and Matthew 27, 50, that's cross-referenced in John 19, 30, where Jesus on the cross declares, It is finished. He has done it. It is finished. Jesus from the cross, He shouts that it is finished. So what is finished? What is he referring to? What does he have in mind when he says, It, this is finished. This work, it is finished. So what is it? What is it? It is his work of atonement. That which he was sent to accomplish. His work of atonement and reconciliation. Of, of making peace, mediating peace between God and man. And because of his work, his punishment has now become our peace. This is something the prophet Isaiah talks about in chapter 53 of his book. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Isaiah says, Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. Jesus came to mediate peace between God and man. He came as an atonement, as, as the reconciliation that brought God and man back together 
by paying the price for our sins. And get this, because it is finished, we are not forsaken. Praise the Lord, we are not forsaken. Thank you, Jesus. So Psalm 22, it begins with a cry of abandonment, a cry of separation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? But Psalm 22 ends with victorious words, victorious words of completion and of restoration. He has done it. He has done it. It is finished. God has done it. So as we approach Easter during this Lenten season, yes, may we comprehend the suffering. May we never forget the cost and the agony that Christ endured on our behalf as Jesus went to the cross carrying our curse. But at the same time, may we also hold fast to the hope that we have in our Messiah. Our Messiah, Jesus Christ, who passed through crucifixion and death, doing so for God's glory, and for our good, through Christ's resurrection and His victory, we can now return to God. This is good news. We can come to Jesus in faith, and we can find ourselves feasting with God, worshiping alongside the nations, worshiping among all the faithful generations. So we all have songs in our heads. We all have songs that play in our hearts at those important times, and they carry with them these important meanings. But here's the thing, in light of our human condition, oftentimes those songs are sung primarily in the key of self. We sing our songs, but they're all really focused on us and not on our Maker, not on God. We sing a lot of songs, but too many times they're sung in the key of self. But this year, we're invited to sing a new song, a song that is both ancient and new, a song of hope. So what song will you sing as you encounter the risen Christ today? As we move toward Easter Sunday this year, what song will you choose to sing? What if your sin song of abandonment and desperation and loss, it could be turned, it could be transformed, it could be redeemed and turned into a salvation song of resurrection, reconciliation, and hope. All these things are possible through what Christ has done. What if the, your, your little DJ Mixmaster was free to play that sweet song of foundness in Jesus instead of that old sad song of sin's forsakenness? You see... Humanity has been singing the sad song of sin for way too long. We've been singing that sad song of lostness, of dislocation, of wandering for far too long. So let's sing something new today as we turn to our risen King Jesus. Let's learn a song of faith in our Savior Christ this Easter season. Will you join in? I know we're all scattered right now. We're all in our homes but will you join in? You see, because the song has already begun. The song has begun. David told of, its, of a day when that song would begin in Christ. And that song, since the resurrection, has been playing in creation. It's been playing among mankind. It's been playing in my heart and in yours. So will you join in? The song has begun. We are not forsaken because of what God has done for us. He has done it. Because of Jesus Christ, it is finished. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, I, I get so excited when I look to your word and, and, and come across just evidence of your, 
patience, your perseverance, your dogged determination to find us and to redeem us. Even hundreds of years before Jesus came, even hundreds of years before Christmas, that first Christmas, King David was already looking forward to that day. The, the prophets were looking forward to that day when Messiah would come. Opening that way, opening that way for us to be reconciled to you, brought back to you, peace to be made between you and us. Lord, I thank you for that. This is indeed good news. So God, in the, in the grayness, in the acknowledgement of, of our sin and our, our, our being made of dust that we readily engage during the Lenten season, I pray that it would prepare us and, and, and help create that, that healthy, necessary contrast between our condition and your solution in Christ. I pray that we would recon, recognize what Jesus has accomplished for us when he cries out, it is finished. He tells our story on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are all of our words. My God, my maker, my creator, why have you forsaken us? In our sin, we have been dislocated from God. We have been forsaken in our sin. Yet Jesus comes, and at the end of that song, at the end of his time on the cross, he yells, it is finished, announcing something more wonderful that can be imagined. What has been lost has been found. What has been broken has been healed. What no longer existed has been remade. A way has been opened. And now all who believe in Jesus Christ, all who place their faith in Him, can confidently return to you, God. So God, I pray for my friends. I pray that they would respond to this invitation, respond to this reality. It is finished. God has done it. Jesus is alive and a way has been made. And I pray that we would all step into that reality, that we would turn toward God and come close this Easter season. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for your abiding presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the long testimony of your faithfulness. And thank you, thank you for Jesus his life, his death, and his resurrection. It is finished. God has done it. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for this time we've had together uh, here at the po- on the podcast. Um, God, I pray that you would uh, continue to work the soil of our hearts. Continue that work of, of regeneration, of transformation, of growth as we, as we walk and become more and more like Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh man, that was a long, (laughs) I know that was a longer sermon, but uh, there was a lot of scripture in there, but uh, hopefully uh, it'll be fruitful for you because there's some good stuff here. There's some good news being proclaimed by David and by the, 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 uh, by the, in the words of Peter, all through the gospels, all through the scriptures. So I pray that you would uh, embrace that, that you would let that uh, take root in your heart as it has for uh, people for centuries. Um, I want to point out one thing uh, before we close. Uh, We are starting what are called Hope and Anchor Care Groups at church. Uh, We've gone through the entire list of people at our church. Everyone we can imagine has been a part of Hope and Anchor, and we've organized them into what we're calling care groups that will be overseen by uh, usually two people or two couples. And and the the point of care groups is to help us stay connected during this disconnected time. Uh, What that's going to look like is uh, you're going to receive once a week an email from your care group leader with a devotional and some announcements just to keep everyone up to speed on happenings in our our fellowship, but also uh, just things that might be of interest to us. 
Uh, and then also during the week, you can expect that your care group leader, one of your care group leaders, will uh, reach out to you personally uh, once a week just to check in. And this is a good opportunity to catch up, to pray together, to express any ner nerds, uh, needs or concerns you might have. Um, and this can help us uh, stay uh, in fellowship and stay aware of what's going on in each other's lives and how we can be a good thing uh, to and for each other. Also, I believe that if we do this well, we can emerge from this quarantined, <laughs> uh, separated time uh, actually stronger. I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in our fellowship and that because of that, we can use this time to develop structures within our fellowship that actually allow for future growth and fruitfulness. That when we come out of this time, when we're able to be in person with each other again, we actually have the framework in place uh, for uh, more vibrant home groups and, and deeper connection between the people in our fellowship. Uh, I feel like our fellowship is really great about just uh, knowing each other and loving each other and not pushing programs to the front, but I feel like we are lacking some of that structure that allows people to grow deeper in fellowship with each other and also in discipleship through that one-on-one -on -one and that one-on, you know, the, the, the personal group discipleship, but also the small group discipleship. So anyway, if you do not receive a a email from a care group leader this week uh, in the next day or two, uh, please let me know. Uh, I would love to get you uh, connected with one of these care groups as we go forward. So uh, as we finish up, let's uh, pray as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.